Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. I know it's already been talked about a little bit. Just wanted to mention about how excited I am about the Freedom Fest coming up next Sunday night. And although we're not publicizing it out in the community per se, we want you to feel free to invite your friends, especially if they're unchurched, to come because it's going to be a great night to have unchurched friends to come just to fellowship together. Going to have a lot of food, some games, some festivities, some fireworks. It's going to be a great time. I can't think of a better way to celebrate our freedom and our independence than the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ that we enjoy with one another. So I hope you'll be there for that. I'm also excited about our decision last week as a church to uh, increase uh, Tim Anderson's uh, responsibilities in the pastoral care side of things as well as taking on the media production side of things that happen each and every week. You wouldn't believe all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes to make our service live what it is, to the online service that we're continuing, and then the activities that go on week in and week out and all the needs that go on for that. So we're grateful to have Tim stepping into that role as well. And then I'm also excited about our signage proposal that we'll be uh, voting on today immediately following the service because they say, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, and we have thousands of people driving by seeing a picture, and so uh, even though we might not be able to say it, our signage will be able to say to our community, hey, we are going to stay current, we're going to stay relevant, and we want to be here as a church that thrives in this community, and we want you to be a part of it. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about our change of direction again as we look at our staff needs and what God is doing here concerning our staff. You know, God doesn't make any mistakes, and His timing is always perfect. So I'm even excited about that change of direction and talking about our needs for our staff and what God is doing. Because you know what? I'm just excited about the fact that God is doing stuff here at Eastern Heights, you know, because a church that's not doing anything is not doing anything for the Lord, you know. And so I, I'm just excited to be a part of a church that's moving forward. Something is going on, and, and I'm glad that you're a part of it as well as we continue to reach our community for Christ and then to, to, to disciple those that we're reaching. You know, it's, it's uh, both of them. It's, it's both reaching and teaching, and that's what our church is striving to do. Thank you for being a part of that. And so as we are seeking God's will and uh, His direction on these decisions and, and uh, the, the direction that we're going, uh, we need to know uh, what His will is, right? And so I don't think that the timing is all for us to be talking about the God of miracles, the fact that God is almighty, He's all-powerful, and in Him we can do anything. We can do all things through Christ which gives us the strength. So we're going to begin this new series for three weeks called The God of Miracles. And we're going to be talking about today, as we've sung about today, the power of Jesus' name, the very power of Jesus' name. And then next week, we're going to be talking about the people that God needs to do miracles. And then the week after that, we're going to be talking about the people who are in need of God's miracles. So we're going to be talking about the book of Acts 3 and 4 and what God did in the New Testament church uh, and the characteristics that we see in that church are also the characteristics that we need in our churches today, including Eastern Heights. And so today's message is going to begin with an ordinary day just like any other day. People were going about their lives as usual. The church was open for business as usual. The normal service was about to begin. People were making their way as they normally did on these days, including a group of people known as beggars. 
who were dependent upon the church and the people in the church to meet their physical needs, their financial needs. And so they had already been making their way to the temple as well and taking their places outside the gate to beg, including a man who had been crippled for some 40 years. He was there. The spiritual leaders of that day, they were also making their way to the temple because it was approaching 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And this was the typical time of prayer. But this was going to be no typical day. The ordinary was about to become extraordinary. And what was typically, I guess, boring was about to become very, very exciting. I want you to look with me, if you would, at the story in Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And it says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently, that is, with purpose. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Verse 7, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So we know this was pre-COVID, right? They were all gathered up and holding each other tight. They were excited. Verse 12, this man walked by our own power or godliness. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. That is, we saw you do it. Verse 16, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And so as we think about the God of miracles and the very power of Jesus' name, the first thing I want us to look today is at the condition that this crippled man was in. He said it was crippled from birth, and, and we know from Acts chapter 4, verse 22, a little later on, it tells us that he had been crippled for over 40 years. And so this man had been coming to the temple. He, he was crippled for 40 years. It wasn't just a fluke thing. It wasn't just someone who, who had had an accident a few weeks before. It, this had been something that had gone on for his entire life. He was physically handicapped. We don't know exactly what it was, but he couldn't walk on his own. Uh, he had to be carried to the temple every day. He was totally dependent on other people to take care of him. Now, Luke does something for us that, um, that, that, we don't see in a lot of the other Gospels. He, he gives us a little bit more information about 
uh, this situation. He tells us that he was at least 40 years old. And I think he tells us his age because it was relevant in the fact that we know that Jesus had been to the temple many times, right? And so we're pretty certain that Jesus had met this crippled beggar at some time. Remember, Jesus had been to the temple uh, when he was 12. He snuck off from his parents to go teach the teachers in the um, temple, right? Now, some of you from out, that's not from Alabama, you may not know what the word snuck means, okay? But it's past tense for the word sneak, okay? And so he, he left his parents, and he went off to teach the teachers at the temple. At the age of 12, he had been at the temple. We know that. And another time, he also had ran out the evil doers of the money changers. He ran them out of the temple with a whip, right? And even though the blind beggar, he couldn't see what was going on, surely he heard what was going wrong, right? And I can kind of see in my mind's eye anyway, this beggar's probably sitting there snickering as Jesus is running them out. He knew how evil they were, and he was probably a little happy that Jesus was running them out of the temple. So he's probably sitting over there snickering a little bit by the gate as they were running by him, right? Because we know he was there. Verse 2 said they took him there every day. Verse 10 said that he, the people had seen the beggar there many, many times. And so all this evidence, all this evidence indicates that in all likelihood to not heal this man. And yet... God in his sovereignty and in God's wisdom, he allowed Peter and John to come along at a later time and to do the healing in the power of Jesus' name. Because, see, I believe God wants us to understand, just like he did those people there, that it is the power of Jesus' name. And it's not just limited to when Jesus was walking here on earth, but that power is in his name alone. And that same power that walked in his disciples then, walking us today, if we are indeed his disciples, we too have that power in the name of of Jesus. Folks, God's not dead. Far from it. Matter of fact, I believe that he is working through us each and every day. We are walking miracles. That's why we spent five weeks talking about being that walking miracle of God and the fact that God wants to use me and to use you to do his work here on the earth. I mean, that, that's a miracle in and of itself. But there's another important correlation I want us to make with this crippled man's condition, right? It's the condition of the crippled beggar and then our condition as a person here on earth. See, for the beggar, for this crippled beggar, it was his physical condition that crippled him from birth, right? Well, we too are crippled from birth, each and every single one of us, with a spiritual condition that we call sin. Romans 5.12 puts it this way. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And so we are born with this spiritual condition called being a sinner. We're, we're born a sinner. We're born with this sin nature. You ever notice how you don't have to teach little kids how to do wrong? You notice they kind of do that on their own? You, you have to teach them how to do right because we're born with this sin nature. We're born with this spiritual handicap that hinders our relationship with God. We're born into the world with that situation. You see, I believe this crippled man's situation is symbolic of the fact that sin cripples everything it touches. You let sin into your life, it'll cripple your life. You let sin into your home, and it'll cripple your home. You let sin into your church, and it'll cripple your churches. And just as this crippled man, he could not make himself whole, we cannot heal ourselves, folks. We cannot do it. We cannot be made whole apart from the miracle of a salvation experience 
with Jesus Christ. It's just impossible. And that's exactly what happened that day is a miracle happened. It couldn't be denied. This guy had been crippled, the Bible says, for over 40 years. Like I said, this wasn't something that just happened a few weeks ago. He'd been crippled for over 40 years. People have been watching this guy in this situation. And then all of a sudden, instantly, he's up doing the Baptist boogie in the church, right? That wasn't it. He's jumping. He's leaping. I mean, it's the guy who was not allowed in the temple because of his condition just moments before, it's now like a little kid at the clubhouse. I mean, he's running through there going crazy. You ever taken a little kid to the clubhouse? You need help, okay? I'm just going to tell you. You need help or a leash or something, okay? Because he gets crazy over there. Well, that's what was going on, you know? And it made me think, you know, it wouldn't hurt. It really wouldn't hurt if we showed a little bit more joy about what God had done in our life, if God indeed has done a miracle of salvation in your life, right? I mean, it wouldn't hurt. And I think some of us just have forgotten. It's been so long since we've had the miracle of salvation happen. We've forgotten how excited it is to be a child of an almighty God, the God of miracles. We just forget that sometimes, right? But, you know, if you're walking with him day in and day out, that relationship ought to produce a little bit of joy here and there sometime, right? I mean, if you're walking with the Lord, it ought to be refreshed ever so often, and you get excited about what God is doing. And you know me well enough. I'm not about this fake joy kind of junk, right? I'm not into that. I just say it straight up like I believe. That's just a bunch of junk, okay? But I'm talking about real joy. I'm talking about that real energy and that real excitement that God brings. You know, we learned a song about it when we were little. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, right? That was probably some Pentecostal song that got snuck into VBS somewhere along the way because we lost the music somewhere, right? But if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, what? Stomp your feet. Well, that ain't Baptist at all, is it? Right? And then if you're happy and you know it, if you're really happy and you know it, say amen. And then if you're super duper about it, then you're going to do all three, right? But most of all, if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it, right? And some of us need to remind our face that we've had a miracle happen, all right? We've been saved, and it's all right to smile and be happy when you're at church, okay? You don't, look like, you don't have to look like you sucked on a bunch of lemons on the way here, okay? Or ate a dill pickle from the fair or something, all right? I'm excited, too. Fair probably coming back this year. It'll be good, all right? Get your pickle, all right? Just don't bring it to church. But you smile on every now and then. It won't hurt. Again, I'm not talking about the fake kind of junk. I'm talking about the real joy that Jesus brings. And see, some of you need to experience that joy today. Maybe that's the problem. Some of you have never experienced that joy. And I want you to know if sin has crippled your life, whether it's been 5 years, 10 years, 20, 40, 80 years, no matter how long it's been, God and the power of Jesus' name can save you today. And God wants you to be saved. And so how do you get that healing? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because verse 7, Peter reached out his hand and took the crippled man by the right hand, and the Bible says instantly, instantly he was healed. See, I believe that's what happens. When you ask Jesus to come in your heart, he instantly heals you of your spiritual crippled state of sin, and immediately, instantly, you are changed. And so what all this tells me is that when God reaches out to you, all you have to do is reach back to him. When God reaches out to you, all you've got to do is reach back to him. God does the work. God does the work. God does the miracle. God does the life-changing in your life. It's the power of Jesus' name that changes you. See, God does for you what you absolutely cannot do for yourself. You can't do it. A program can't do it. Being a good person can't do it. 
Going to enough of good things cannot do it. It's not going to happen. God can do for you what you cannot do for yourself, and only he can do that. So it was a miracle what happened in this guy's life. For 40 years, he'd been sitting there waiting. And so now you have not only the crippled man who's been healed, but now you've got a crowd of people that are observing what's going on. And so Peter sees it as an opportunity. So I want us to shift now from the condition of the crippled man. I want us to look at the crowd today. Look at the crowd. Peter calls them the people of Israel. He said, guys, you're, you're God's chosen people. You're the ones that ought to know. If anybody were to know what's going on here, you ought to know because it was all of your ancestors that God has done miracle after miracle for. God is the one that set you free. You ought to know you are God's people. And then he goes on, he says, so why are you surprised? Why are you surprised at what's going on? You see, God's people, the people who are supposed to know what's going on, the people who were made it part of their day to go to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they had to quit whatever they were doing, right, to go do it. I mean, they were pretty committed. And yet they apparently had all the rituals of religion down pat, but they did not understand that it had the power of the name of Jesus behind it to transform not only their life, but everybody else's life around them. They had the rituals down pat, but they needed the power, the power of Jesus' name. You know, we often joke and say, if Jesus walked in the church, we wouldn't even recognize him. Right? We joke around and say, well, that's no joking matter. And I don't really agree with it. Because I see, I see walking miracles come through those doors every week. When I see you come walking in to do the work of the kingdom of God. You're a walking miracle. And you're here doing God's work. You're committed to doing that. That's a miracle, folks. That's a miracle. And I see that every week. You know what? I get to see miracle after miracle week after week. And I see God changing people's lives. And I'm glad to be a part of a church that believes in a God of miracles where we see that happen week in and week out. But on this day, on this day, the crowd, the religious people who ought to have known what was going on, they were surprised at how God showed up. And you know what? I've been praying for that. I had a friend the other day, he said, you know what, you don't, you don't have stuff because you don't ask God for it. I said, you know what, that's what the Bible says, right? You're right, you're a genius, you know. That was my buddy Jeff, he's far from a genius, okay. But he'd been reading his Bible, and he reminded me of how powerful our God of miracles is. So I've been asking God, God, I want you to show up one day with something that's going to surprise us. Just surprise us, God. And so I want you to make that your prayer too. God, surprise us. And then you better be careful what you pray for, right? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm talking about a good surprise, all right? Pray for a good surprise. Let's, let's call it that, all right? Let's be more specific with, with the Lord. And I believe he answers specifically. But yeah, these people were surprised at how God showed them. It caused some confusion. Let's look at it. Last part of verse 12, the confusion is they said, why stare at us? Do you actually think we heal this guy? We don't have the power to do this ourselves. And see, that's a huge biblical truth that I want you to be sure to walk away from as we're talking about miracles today, is it's really not about the person doing the healing. It's man. That's what it's about. When you see the miraculous, it's about pointing people to God, the God of miracles. That's why the miracle happens. So it caused confusion because the people, the crowd, they're going... Did we kill this guy? I thought he was dead and gone. I mean, this rebel Jesus who has wrecked all of our rituals and messed up all of our routines and stirred up all this stuff, I thought we killed him, you know? I thought we were over and done with him. But little did they know that what had happened is God had just multiplied exponentially 
through the 120 there in the upper room that day, the power of just Jesus' name. Used to it was just Jesus. Now it's just the power of his name, his name alone that had been given out to those 120 disciples and us too. We have also been given that same power at moment of salvation. We were anointed with the Holy Spirit as well. And so Peter goes on with his what I call a reminder sermon. He says, Pilate, you know, wanted to let Jesus go, but you know what? You guys, you wanted to crucify him. You know, Pilate wanted to, uh, to uh, take a convicted murderer's life, but you wanted to release him. You wanted to release a convicted murderer and, and put an innocent man on the cross. You wanted to kill the one who gives life, but God has raised him from the dead. And we know that because we sat here and watched you do it. We watched you do all this. You are guilty. And Peter wanted everyone there, all that crowd, to understand that the power behind the miracle of God was God in him alone. That even though they had killed Jesus, and Jesus was no longer there, that the very name of Jesus, just the name of Jesus, like we sung about this morning, has the power to rock their spiritual lives. Not only them, but the same power of the name of Jesus can change our lives today as well. And so it brought the crowd to the place where they had to make a choice. And it brings us to that place. Too. That's the last thing I want to see about this this morning. As we talk about the power of Jesus' name, is it brings us to making a choice in verse 16. You know, Peter had told them, he said, you know, in the past you chose to deny Jesus. You made the wrong choice. You didn't believe by faith what Jesus had preached. You didn't believe by faith what Jesus had done here in the temple. You, you didn't believe by faith what the disciples had been teaching. You didn't believe by faith what power the disciples had shown to you through the miracles they have been doing. And you know what? You, you have not believed in the miracles of your ancestors that they told you about all this time. And, and you, you've chosen not to believe in the miracles that you've heard about Jesus doing up to this point. But today, today you have the opportunity to make a different choice because today, today you've seen with your very own eyes the power of the name of Jesus. And so today, I want you to choose this blind beggar did. Or the crippled beggar, I'm sorry. I want you to have that same kind of faith that changed his life. It'll change you too. See, God wants to use us. God wants to use us to share the power of Jesus' name. He really does. And see, today, you, you are the crowd. You're the crowd. You're God's chosen people. And so I remind you today, as Peter reminded them then, that it was my sin and it was your sin that put Jesus on the cross. But you know what? It was the same power of Jesus' name that provided a miracle for most of us here in that we have had that opportunity to have the miracle of a salvation experience in our own life, right? And our life to be changed by the power of Jesus' name. And so now we, the crowd, we, the crowd, we must make this choice. What are we going to do with the miracle of our changed life? What are we going to do with that? What are you going to do with your life-changing miracle? What are you going to do when it comes to the people who are sitting outside of our doors here and they're crippled by sin in their life? I mean, their homes are wrecked, their life is a mess, their jobs are wrecked, everything about their life is wrecked because of sin. 
And they are literally begging for something to change, for something to get better. So what are you going to do with your life-changing miracle, your life, and the power of Jesus' name that resides within you in sharing that with other people? Because God is looking for someone in this crowd to reach out their hand, just as Peter did, and to offer the miracle of salvation to somebody who's looking for it. So if you would, I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. As you think about your choice, what you're going to do with your choice of your miracle, the miracle of your changed life, what are you going to do with that? And you know what? If the church has failed you, I want you to understand that happens sometimes. The church will fail you because it's made up of a bunch of failures looking for the Lord to help them. And if God's people have failed you, and that happens sometimes too, because again, we're all standing in need of the Lord. But if that's happened, I want to encourage you to turn to the one person who will never fail you today. And it's the powerful name of Jesus. And I want you to let the God of miracles do a miracle in your life today. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I encourage you to come into your heart and to save you right now. And if you do that, I believe instantly Jesus comes into your heart. Instantly your life is changed. Then I want to encourage the rest of us that's already experienced that miracle of salvation. I want you to commit your all. Commit your all to Him. Commit to taking the name of Jesus everywhere you go so that others can experience the miracle as well. Father, thank you for the power of Jesus' name. Just at the mention of his name, we could talk about it all morning. But today, we've talked about the power of of his name that brings us salvation. So I thank you that there's one that's here that's been crippled by sin, that, Lord, that they could be set free today. They could be made whole because you do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so we have to turn to you, and I pray that's what we would do. God, we do ask that you would surprise us in a great way with another miracle, Lord. God, you are the God of miracles pray to now. That's who we've come here to celebrate, to worship. But it's also what we want to take outside of these walls. God, may we commit our all to doing that. Even today. It's in the name of Jesus we ask and all God's people together said. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.